0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 152 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 8th of May 2016 entitled The Genesis Account Part 29 and the Bible readings are taken from 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 to 4 and Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 to 3. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Genesis chapter 12 we'll take our reading from while you hold your finger there, turn right back to the other end of the Bible, not too far before the end, to Second Peter chapter 1, and we'll read verses 3 and 4. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy, precious, and preserved word, beginning in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. According as his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And then in Genesis chapter 12, reading the first three verses, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Father, we thank you that we have your word before us this morning. No oh God, we realize so much. Lord, that it is your word that we need, and not the words of man so now. Lord, during these next moments together, would you speak to our hearts, please? Lord, as we commit this time to you, you know the hearts and the needs of every individual here this morning. And God, I know full well that I am helpless and hopeless at being able to do anything for them. But God, I know that you can. And I know that by your word and by the power of your spirit that you can speak to man as no other can. So we pray today. Meet each one, at the place that they need you. Draw them to yourself. May each and every one of us, Lord, have the courage, the strength, the faith to be able to respond in whatever way we need to this day. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And amen. Well, in our series from the book of Genesis, we have been the last few weeks looking at the assurance of God's promises such an awesome thing that should excite us. And and, and really, I know from the outset, I knew from when we began and I still know that it's hopeless to be able to truly describe God and his promises in the way that they deserve to be described. This passage that we looked at in 2 Peter, we said is quite a phenomenal promise if we only had that one promise from God that he has given to us, done, finished. He has given to us all things, everything that pertains to life and godliness. God has given us everything that we need, both for this life and for eternity, both for our natural life and for our spiritual life And he says that that comes through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. It's all by him. It's all through him. It's nothing of us. It's not of man's knowledge. It's not what we figure out. It's all of God. But he goes on to say, whereby given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, He promises, first of all, that we have everything in him that we need for life and godliness, but he goes on to say, we've been given exceeding great and precious promises, plural. We said that a lot of people have tried to count them. They come up with all these fantastic numbers, but it's not an easy thing to do. But he says by his promises, we can be partakers of the divine nature. Of God's nature, of His nature, having escaped past tense the corruption that is in the world through lust, in this world, in our flesh. It can only bring corruption. We see corruption all around us things dying, things dirty, things nasty. He says that we can escape the corruption. What brings corruption to us? Sin. Sin brings death, sin brings corruption. But he says we can escape that and we can actually be partakers of the divine nature. Now, you notice in our reading, he says that you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped. First of all, you have to escape the corruption of this flesh and take on his divine nature. And of course, all this only comes through Jesus Christ. Can we count on his promises? We've looked at a lot of things, and of course, for those that haven't been here, we've looked at our famous, what's it called? Come on. The most miraculous thing in the world, and you can't remember what it's called? A smobar. That's right. Smobar. You can't forget that. We find that it just does everything you need it to do, physically, spiritually, You screw that up in your house, you'll never have another physical problem. Your hair won't fall out. You'll never forget anything else. Spiritually, you'll just just walk up there with Jesus. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's incredible. We said that's the promise. Both in this world, we get all these promises from the world that these things are going to do this in our natural life, whatever that it might be. And in our spiritual world, there's all kinds of people. Just turn on your TV and and there they are promising that if you'll order this or if you'll buy this, it'll fix your spiritual life forever. You can believe that if you want to. I said, if you want to believe that, SMOBAR, Super Miraculous Oscillation Emitting Bar, that's what it is. It emits this oscillation all through your house that takes care of all your problems. And we said it could be yours for the low, low price of $99.95 a month for the next six months. And I even promise, because we're talking about promises, that if you don't like it for any reason whatsoever, just send it back and I'll take it back. Amen? Tibby almost took us up on it. Where's Tibby. <laughs> He's he's hiding. He's embarrassed now. <laughs> but we said that because folks before us every day of our lives. Men and women, people promise us all kinds of things. We, can't, we live in a world now where that people have become so disenchanted. We don't trust our politicians. We don't trust our government. We don't trust the Certainly don't trust all these phone calls I get all the time wanting to sell me this that I need, that I didn't even know that it existed, and yet I obviously need it. All the junk mail that comes through the doors and through the computers, everybody's wanting to give me something that they promised me is going to make my life better. You can believe those things or not. But we said the real choice is, do you believe man or do you believe God? We're looking at the foundational, fundamental truths in the book of Genesis, and we've looked at a lot of things there, but in the assurance of God's promises, we say the foundation is laid right from the very beginning of the assurance of the absolute certainty of God's promises. We've looked at the promises made in the garden, in the Garden of Eden. He made promises there to Adam, He made promises to Eve. He even made promises to himself to start with. And then, of course, he made promises to Satan. You know, I find it interesting that the greatest enemy that we have is Satan. You know, Satan makes us promises too. He, he promised Adam and Eve some wonderful things there in the garden. That if they would take of that one tree, that one fruit that God had forbidden them, why, they would be as smart as God. They would know everything that God knows. You see, Satan promises the best. I'm reminded of so many illustrations that the Scriptures give us. The prodigal son. You know, he was assured of so much. Satan always promises the best but I assure you, he pays with the worst. He promises honor, but he'll pay you in disgrace. He'll promise you pleasure. And even the Bible says there can be pleasure for a season, but I assure you, he'll pay you with pain. He promises profit, but he always pays with loss. And one of the greatest lies he has is he promises you life, an enjoyable life, a pleasurable life, a life that you can really enjoy, and yet he pays with death. Always. No exception. We find that the very first lie ever told was when Satan lied to man in the garden about what God had said. And I find it incredible that The very first worst enemy, when God made that promise to him in the garden, it was one of the greatest promises for you and I that could ever have been made on the face of the earth when he said to the devil, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. His first promise ever that Jesus Christ was going to come to this world and that yes, Satan would bruise the heel of Satan. You've never experienced anything in life, probably more gruesome than the reality of Jesus Christ being nailed to a cross and died. It was meant to be the most degrading, painful death that a person could 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 die. That's why the Romans created it that way. Jesus Christ. he did all of that. he took that on for you and for me. Oh yeah. Satan bruised his heel that day. He thought he had won, didn't he? But guess what? <laughs> Three days later, they found an empty tomb. He thought he had killed Jesus, but Jesus was alive, and he's still alive today. And the Bible says that Satan would bruise the heel of Jesus, but that Jesus would crush the very head of Satan. That's the promise. Our hope, our first promise of a Messiah, of a Savior, of somebody that would come and give us the victory over Satan was made in the Garden of Eden. We look at the promise that he made to Cain out of the garden, one that had murdered his brother. We mess up sometimes. There's promises in God's word for people that mess up, promises we need to hold on to and promises that God always keeps just as he did with Cain. We looked at the promises that he made to Noah, the only man to find grace in the eyes of the Lord when the world had gotten so wicked that God had to destroy it by water. He put that rainbow in the sky to remind us that he would never do that again. Of course, we saw, touched on at the end of last Sunday's sermon, it will all be destroyed again, but not by water the next time. It will melt. It will be gone. All things will be made new without sin, without the contamination of sin, without all that sin has done to make it bad. We see all these things in this world and so many times people want to blame God for their their pain and their troubles and their agony. Folks, it's not because of God. It's because of the lack of God. It's because they don't have God in their lives. It's because the world has chose to go another way. I wanna carry on this morning with another great promise that God made. God's promises to Abraham. That's what we find in our reading here in Genesis chapter 12 that we read a few moments ago. Now I want you to notice, summing up in those verses, verse one, God says, and the Lord said unto Abraham, get thee out of the country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house to the land that I will show thee. Now. I introduced you to Noah last week and we had a little one-on-one chat with him and all of that but I'm not old enough to play the part of Abraham or I would maybe try that you know every picture you see him he's got this long white beard that almost touches the the uh, ground well I got the white beard but it's not quite long enough but I want you to stop and think a minute here's Abraham out of all these people in the world here's Abraham and God comes up to this man called Abraham he says Abraham here's what I want you to do. I want you to pack up what you've got. I want you to leave your land. I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave everything behind, and I want you to head out. Now, I'm going to take you somewhere, but I'm not telling you where I'm taking you yet. I'm going to give you a place. You see, that was God's first promise to Abraham was a place, a place for him, a place of his own, a natural promise, a place to live here on this earth. Abraham I promise you, if you'll just pack up and leave, do what I'm telling you. Even though you don't know where you're going, even though you don't know where it's going to take you, Abraham, I'm going to lead you to the place that I want you. But it's not just a place. Notice what he says in verse 2. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Abraham, I'm not only going to give you a place, but where I take you to, I'm going to build a great nation and you're going to be great amongst the people and you're going to literally not only be blessed yourself, but you are in turn going to bless others. Abraham, I'm going to give you a place of your own. I'm going to give you a people. Notice what he says in verse three. This is good. He says, and I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Not only a place and a people, but he offers him a perpetual blessing. You know what perpetual means? It means it just goes on and on and on and on. Abraham, this blessing doesn't stop with you when you die. It's gonna go right down through your descendants. As a matter of fact, Abraham, through you, do you notice that? In these shall, what's the next word in your Bible? All, A-L-L, shall all families of the earth be blessed. You know what he's really promising him there? The same thing that he promised Satan back in Genesis three fifteen. He's promising him that through him, the Lord Jesus Christ is gonna come. He is the only one that all the families... Of the earth are blessed. Abraham, I'm going to take you to a place. I know that's a big step of faith. I know I haven't told you where you're moving to yet, but come on, let's go. I'm going to give you a people, which turns out to be the nation of Israel. <laughs> and he built that great nation that, though most of the nations of the world have tried to wipe them out at some time or another, they're still there. <laughs> Abraham, this blessing won't die with you. Man, I'm going to bless those that bless you. I'm going to curse them that curse you. Through you, Abraham, through your seed, all the families of the world are going to be blessed. What would you do if God came to you and made you that kind of a promise today? Well, let me remind you of something. Abraham did not have Moses hadn't written the first five books of the Bible yet. Moses wasn't even in the picture yet. Abraham didn't have God's Word written down like you do to go to and really look and try to read that promise and make sure you know what it's saying. When God spoke to Abraham, he didn't have anything in writing. (laughs) He just had what God said, God's Word. That's all he had on it today. For something to be sure, we want it written down and signed, and and, and we want somebody official to stamp it and to notarize it and to, to sign all the legal stuff to make sure that it's true. Abraham just had God's word. God's word. And if God came up and told you, pack up your bags, your family, and everything you've got, and we're going to hit the road. <laughs> I don't know. I know where we're going, but I'm not going to tell you yet. you got to trust me on this. But I'm going to give you a place. And out of you, I'm going to give you a people, a nation, a great nation am I going to raise up through you. And through you, I'm actually going to keep on blessing to all the families of the earth. And let me say this, that wasn't just looking forward. That was looking back as well. Nobody, Old Testament, New Testament, nobody's sins have ever been forgiven any other way than through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. They were still looking for a promise to come. We're looking at a promise that's been fulfilled in him already. All the families of the earth, the only way to get blessed by God through those spiritual blessings is through Jesus Christ. That's the promise that he's making here to everybody that has been and will be. They'll be blessed through the seed of Abraham. How would you respond? How do we respond when so many times God tells us so clearly, and we can sit down and we can read it and we can digest it and we can say, What's God saying and what's God promising? And we're still afraid to step out by faith. We're still afraid to trust Him when God has made it so clear to us. I guarantee you, none of those characters ever made it that clear. (laughs) They made you a promise, all right, but what did we say? A promise is based on number one, who's making the promise? And second, upon their ability to fulfill that promise. And thirdly, upon their track record, have they kept their promises before? Well, I want you, when we finish these lessons on promises here, I want you to know without a shadow of a doubt that we're talking about God's promises that cannot lie, that cannot make any promise that is not sound and sure We know that when we look to Him, that He is the God that is able to perform anything that He's promises because nothing is impossible with God. And I want you to know in looking back that you can't look back. You can't look back. Through the 6,000 years of human history, you can't look back and ever find God breaking even one promise. Never. We can be sure. We can know that we can count on him and what he says. How did Abraham respond? Verse 4, so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him and lot with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed. So he was already 75 years old. That's why I said I can't really play the part. I'm way too young to play 75 years old. It is getting closer though. And Abraham took Sarah his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and to the land of Canaan they came, and Abraham passed through the land and to the place of Shechem and into the place, into the plain of Morah. And the Canaanite was then in the land. We find that it goes on and it describes this journey that Abraham goes on. And Abraham journeyed. Going still toward the south, it says in verse 9, he was just going. He just departed. God said, go, Abraham. I'm going to give you a place. He took God for his word. What God had said to him, and he lit out. But then something happens. You know, God always shows us the humanness of people as well. Now, I wish I had time. I, I wish, you know, do you know how long it could probably we could probably spend till Jesus comes back, however long it is, right here in Genesis, verse by verse, word for word, but we've got a lot of other things to cover in the Bible as well. But verses 10 through 20, which we won't take time to read this morning, but you find God's always honest with us, isn't he? Abraham, the man that God's promised to do all this to, guess what? He slips up. He leaves the place of blessing. He leaves the place where God took him to. He goes out to do his own thing. and We find that so many times in life, we may start off right. We may start off with the best intentions. We're taking God at his word. And somewhere down through this journey, we get distracted. We head off in some other direction, a direction that we convince ourselves is what God wants. But in fact, it's not where God took us at all. Abraham slips up. His faith weakens to what it was. He departs from that place of blessing. But notice in chapter 13, what does he do? And Abraham went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abram Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and gold, and he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first, and there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. God made this man a wonderful promise, and he stepped out by faith, and he's on his way. He's doing just what God told him to do. But along the way, he gets distracted. He goes off down to Egypt. He goes on a different path. What does he do? He realizes He returns to the place of blessing. You know, the bad thing is, is that we can slip up. But the worst thing is when we know we've slipped up and we don't do anything about it. God had made Abraham a blessing. And guess what? When God made him that promise of blessing, God already knew he was going to slip up. Just like God already knows when you're going to slip up, when I'm going to slip up. But his promise wasn't based on that. Abraham returns to the place of God. And what does he do? He calls upon the Lord. He calls upon the Lord. He realizes what he's done. Abraham and Lot separate themselves after this. You can read down, if you read down, and notice what he says in verse 14. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward. Abraham, lift up your eyes and look in every direction. Look around you. He says, for all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. Forever. God's promise. Abraham, look as far as you can see in every direction, everything you see, I'm giving to you and I'm giving it to your seed forever. Now we'll talk a bit more about that. He says, and I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Now You know what I thought when I read that? You know, some of you know that we've been doing a lot of tearing out and redoing in our house. And you know, dust is a tough thing to live with any time. But I want to promise you, man, you could go around and you can dust things and you can go back an hour later and it's covered again. I tried to imagine when I was reading, I said, Lord, you know, if you ever stood in front of the window when the sun rays were shining through and you just see all those particles of dust just everywhere. I said, Lord, If I could number just the dust in my house, (laughs) that's a job. But but he's telling Abraham, Abraham, if you can number all the dust in the world, then you can number your seed. You can number your descendants, Abraham, your seed. If you can number all the dust in the world, then you can number those people. Wow. Wow. He says, arise, walk through the land and the length of it and in the breadth of it for I will give it unto thee. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre which is in Hebron and built there an altar unto the Lord. He likes building these altars. When he's right with God, he wants a place to meet with God. Wherever he goes, he wants a place to meet with God. We find that... You see, God made Abraham a promise back in chapter 12, and the first thing he promised him was a place. We see that partially fulfilled right here. Okay, Abraham, this is what I promised you, and this is going to be yours and your seeds forever. As far as you can see, Abraham, this is the land I promised to you. Now, in chapter 14, verses 1 to 12, it's one of those portions where it seems like everybody's fighting somebody. I mean, man, everybody's just killing each other, and all these nations are wiping each other out, and pretty typical of the human race still, isn't it? Destruction, misery. Oh, that's what Romans chapter 3 said would be like, isn't it? (laughs) Well, they were that way. And in this instance, Sodom is attacked. Now, this is before the Sodom and Gomorrah judgment that we looked at. Sodom was attacked It was looted, like many times these soldiers do when they come through. And in the process, Lot and a lot of the people from Sodom were taken captive. They were taken as prisoners. They were carried away. In verses 13 to 16, Abraham hears about Lot's captivity. And as soon as he hears about his nephew's problems, you know what he does? He arms his servants and he takes off in pursuit And he recovers the goods that had been taken. He rescues Lot and all the others that had been held captive. And he returns them all to their homes in Sodom. Abraham. Now the thing that amazed me about that one, now whoa. What's that got to do with the assurance of God's promises? Well, a lot I think because, you know, when God makes you a promise, sometimes thinks that as Christians we're just supposed to Sail through life, no problems, no struggles. you know I don't say this mean because I know how some people can believe it. I actually had an individual that I, that I thought a lot of and still still think a lot of him, but he got actually upset hurt one time because the brake pads had wore out on my car and he felt like as a servant of God that that shouldn't happen that you know because I didn't have the money to put new ones on at the time they shouldn't be wore out you know because God kept The leather on the nation of Israel's shoes when they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, well, he ought to be able to keep brake shoes on your car. You know, we know God is able. and This is part of what I want you to grasp, but there's nothing too big for your God. We live in a real world. God had just got through making Abraham look around you. This is all yours. Then all of a sudden, all around Abraham, I mean, battle breaks out and war breaks out and he ends up having to put his own life at risk to arm his people to go to help somebody else that's been taken captive. You see, God doesn't promise there won't be challenges. He doesn't promise that in order to get to the end of his promises, that we're not going to have to face some difficult days sometimes in this life. He has promised us that he will be with us, that he will not forsake us, that we will be victors in the end, no matter what they do to us, no matter how bad this day gets, we got something better on the horizon, praise God. Abraham had some difficult days that he had to go through there. Well, I want you to notice something because we just got through singing about this. Notice these verses here what he says in verse 17, because this is one of those places where God reveals himself to Abraham. Abraham, you can count on my promises. You can count on them to be sure. Why? First of all, the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of the Chedorlaomer Laomar and the kings that were with him at the, yeah, at the valley of Sheva, which is the King's Dale. Here it is. He's come back. He's a victor. The king of Sodom is honoring him. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. He was the priest, notice the next words, of the most high God. He was the priest of, in the Hebrew, of El Elyon. El Elyon, the most high, the highest you can get. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham. Of the most high God, Abraham of El Elion, of the highest that there is, the one that is possessor of heaven and earth, the highest that owns it all. And blessed be the most high God, El Elion, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand, Abraham. Abraham belongs to the most high God the one that possesses all of heaven and earth. And it's he, the highest of the highest, it's he that's delivered Abraham in his battle. Abraham had to go through a battle, but it was God, God that protected him, God that was there with him. The one that had delivered Abraham was not his own cleverness, but it was his enemies. And then what is his response? It says, and blessed and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he, Abraham, gave him, Melchizedek, tithes of all. Oh, boy, that's a nasty word, isn't it? <laughs> tithes? That's law stuff. i got news for you. The law wasn't anywhere in existence at this point. And the king of Sodom said unto Abraham, Give me the persons and take thy goods to thyself. And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up thine hand unto the Lord, the most high God, El Elyon, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldst say, I have made Abraham rich, save only that which the young men have eaten and the portion of men which went with me, Anar, Eshcol, and Mamre, Let them take their portion. Abraham says, hey, first of all, it's God, the most high God, the highest of all, the one that owns heaven and earth. He's the one that's delivered me. And he came to King Melchizedek. We see in Scripture that Melchizedek, the Bible says, was symbolic of the priesthood of Jesus Christ himself. He brings him a tithe and just gives it to him. We find that one of the first things he wants he wants to to give and what's amazing is what he goes on to say. And he says, "You know what? He says, "My God, my God has been faithful. My God has kept his promises." And so he brings God to begin with a tithe of all that he has. And he brings it to God. And then he says, you know what? I don't want anything from any of you in any way, shape, or form, because if you start giving it to me, then you're going to think you're the one that's made me rich. You're the one that's given me all that I need. I don't want anybody to get the credit but God. I'm going to give to God, but I don't want you giving anything to me because I want to save all the glory for him. You see, he wanted He wanted to bring that to the king. He wanted to bring that to God. He wanted to do that because he was so grateful for all that God had done to him. Chapter 15, after that act, we find that the Lord reminds him. He says, after these things, the word of the Lord came into Abraham in a vision saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great ward. Yes, I protected you in the battle and I'm the one that'll take care of you. I'm your shield, I'm your reward. And Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me seeing I go childless and the steward of thy house is the Eliza of Damascus. And Abraham said, behold to me thou hast given no seed and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him saying, this shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou will be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur, out of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, and he goes on and he tells him the things that he wants him to do. But what I want you to see, God reminds Abraham, first of all, that he's the one that protects him, and he's the one that provides for him. Abraham couldn't see this in the natural. He couldn't see how God's promise could possibly be. He said, Lord, I know what you've promised. Now, you give me a place, but you also promised me a people. Lord, I don't don't have a child, (laughs) and I'm not a young man anymore. Well, I can't possibly see how that this can work out. God has him look towards the heaven. Now, first of all, he told him if he could number the dust of the earth, then he could number his seed. Now he's saying, Abraham, I want you to look to the skies and try to count all those stars out there in infinity. If you can count them, <laughs> that's the way your seed's going to be. Oh. God promises. Abraham doesn't even have a child and he's getting to be an old man. How can this possibly be? Verse 6, and he believed in the Lord. He believed in the Lord. He believed God. He trusted God. He took God for his word and what? And he counted it to him for righteousness. God said, Abraham, I know. I know sometimes you can't see what I'm doing. I know you can't see it with your natural eye. But when I say something, that's it. Abraham, you will have a seed. And your seed is going to be so numberless. Just look at the stars. and Try to count them. I promise you that. God's going to preserve him. God's going to provide for him. God's going to do that which is impossible for man, and Abraham responds in faith. There's a lot else here. I hate clocks just as much as I ever have. But let me give you this passage in closing and we'll pick up next week. Romans chapter three. Romans chapter three. Because you see, exactly what's taking place with Abraham here applies specifically to you and I today as well. Romans chapter 3 beginning verse 19 says, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. God's word will prove every man guilty. Not what man says, what God says. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. There's no way. No way anybody can ever be justified by God's law. Nobody can live up to it perfectly. Everybody's going to mess up. Everybody's going to stumble. Nobody can be justified before God by God's law. But. Boy, that's a big word, isn't it? Three letters. But. But now, oh, nobody, nobody has a prayer, nobody has a hope, nobody has a chance of trying to do it themselves by God's law. But now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, what did he promise us? To be able to escape. The corruption of the lust of this flesh, and be able to be partakers of the divine nature, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith. You see, Abraham believed God, and we'll look at some more of that. Abraham simply took God at his word. He's saying to us now, If you try to live up to it, you're going to mess. You're going to fail. You can't do it. But the righteousness of God without the law is manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. If you believe God, if you trust him, if you act upon what he says, we sang earlier, trust and obey. For well, there's no other way to be happy but to trust and obey. He says, "For <laughs> well, there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All, everybody, just like all the families of the earth, their blessing would be through the seed of Abraham, which is Jesus Christ. All of us are hopeless and helpless without that seed, without Jesus Christ. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When you compare yourself to God, you're going to miss the mark. You might feel good about yourself when you say, well, I'm better than that person, and I don't... Well, I'm definitely a lot better than that person. But we're talking about (coughs) God's glory. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption of is in Christ Jesus. You can't do it. Everything you do won't do it. God's word will only show you how guilty that you are. But it'll point you to the one, Jesus Christ. It'll point you to the one whereby you can have God's righteousness by faith in him, by believing him. He says, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. You know I love that word. I love that old word that nobody used. Propitiation. Propitiation. He met every requirement that God had. Legal term, when everything was met. Propitiation through faith in His blood. Through faith in the blood of Jesus. To declare His righteousness for the transgression of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness that he might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where's boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works. Nay, by the law of faith. What credit can we take? What can we do? Nothing. Nothing. God's done it all. We've got to believe him. We've got to trust him. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. We can't do better to be right with God. We will do better because we're right with God. We will desire to live a better life. We will desire to please him. We will desire not to give in to the lust of the flesh. The world don't understand. How can you Christians have fun? (laughs) You're not doing this. You're not doing that. You don't want to do this. You don't want to do that. You don't want to go there. How can you have any fun? They're believing the lie of Satan. <laughs> the lie of Satan that he'll give them pleasure, that we got none. His end for them is destruction, pain. God's end for us is peace, eternity. Folks, the going may get tough. I want you to grasp, and we'll look at Abraham some more next week. God promised Abraham. He promised him a place of his own. He promised him a people, a nation that would rise up from him. And he promised a perpetual blessing that would go on through every generation to all families of the world. God took him, and we've already seen where he fulfilled that. He gave him a place. i got news for you. Nations have tried to kick him out of that land. The natural nation of Israel. They've not been able to destroy them. They've gone back to the homeland, which the Bible said, yep, they were run out, but they come back. It's theirs. God gave it to them. And it will be theirs. And i got more news for you. We can't go there this morning because it's old clock again, but Jesus is actually going to sit on his throne there, praise God. Amen. He's going to come back and rule this earth for a thousand years on his throne from Jerusalem, praise God. But this morning, is our time comes to an end, Can I ask you one question? Do you believe the promises of God? Do you believe it? Oh, I'm trying to show you. (laughs) Men don't want to take the book of Genesis. I'm telling you, it's the foundation we begin to look at ought to give you an absolute assurance of God's promises when you see what God's done and what he's promised you. You can't do it. He's not asking you to do anything. He's not asking you to make yourself better. He's asking you to admit your helplessness, your hopelessness, that you can't do it. He's asking you to come to him and put your faith and trust that what Jesus Christ did for you, he did for you. By trusting in him. We looked at it this morning during the communion service. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I promise you, it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. God does not want you to believe the lie of devil, just like the first couple did and like men have been susceptible to ever since. He wants you to believe the truth, the word of God, what He says, I promise you this, I promise you based upon God's word, not based upon what that bar will do for you or what anything else in this world will do for you. I promise you based upon the very word of God. For by grace are you saved through faith. If you'll trust God, he loves you so much. He knows you can't do your sins, but he's took care of it for you. He died the death for you. He shed his blood to atone for you. And today he just wants you to believe him, to humble yourself, to admit you're a sinner, ask forgiveness because of what Jesus did for you. He will forgive you. Jesus Christ died on the cross. They put him in a grave. He rose the third day. He right now is your intermediary in heaven. He that died for you is the one. There's only one God. There's only one mediator the man christ jesus he's there to mediate for you today if you will believe in father it's so hard to stop when our lives both those that may be here that have never made a profession of faith that have never <coughs> asked you to save them that have never admitted their sinfulness done what they need to do lord we know that in the end it really comes down your grace is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. The sacrifice of Jesus is sufficient for the sins of the whole world. Your grace is sufficient, but there's only one pathway to it, and that's by faith, by believing you, by trusting you. We can part- be partakers of your grace today if we'll believe you and trust you. Lord, you know the hearts of everyone here. I pray For anyone here today that's lost, that doesn't have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, please, Lord, wrap your arms around them. Show them that, yes, they're lost, they're hopeless, they're helpless, but you're there for them, and Jesus has done it all for them. All they have to do is believe and trust and come to you for every Christian. Lord, help us not to get sidetracked, not to leave the place that you've put us. You've got a place for all of us. He promises that in your word, just as you promised David. You've got a place for each and every one of us. Help us to know that place. Lord, even here today, we come from many different backgrounds, many different peoples from all over the world, but you're the same God in every place, with every people. Lord, your perpetual blessings are still here for us today. We can be one of those that knows your blessing if we'll just accept your word for it. Where it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.